0: I had a relationship in my life, still have a relationship in my life, with someone that um, I really developed a lot of bitterness for over the years of my life. Uh, th- this person uh, really kind of pushed all the wrong buttons for me, and uh, for a good chunk of my life, I, I really harbored a lot of bitterness, uh, stuff I just couldn't get past. and. Through the years, it became worse, uh, to the point where I didn't want to spend time with, with this person. I would avoid it. And then some, uh, some good friends in my life challenged me that maybe I, I should talk to a counselor to talk through some of how I was feeling with this person. You know, And I thought, well, that's a good idea. So I saw a counselor, and she really helped me kind of work through some things that I was unwilling to see. And through that process, it was about six months or so, I began to realize that I'd been expecting things in this relationship that were unrealistic. And that I could continue to carry bitterness and anger, or I could choose to do something that was easy to say, hard to do. You know what I'm talking about? Forgiveness. 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 And through that process and seeing that counseling, by the way, I I recommend great counseling. Uh, Sometimes it just helps you see what you can't see. And I'm happy to say that when I was able to get to the point where I could forgive that person, it was a complete game changer. It's like I was released from all that bitterness and frustration. And nowadays, the relationship is great. I, I wouldn't have told you that maybe even a few years ago, that that was possible. But through that pesky phrase, easy to say, hard to do, forgiveness was the game changer for me. Now, we know the power of forgiveness. We've experienced, probably all of us have experienced at some point, what it feels like to be forgiven. Maybe you made a mistake, you, did, you know, said the wrong thing, bad judgment call, and for someone... To lean in and say, I love you, I forgive you, let's move forward. We know the power that that holds. But so oftentimes it's hard for us to do that. We hold on for so long to things that are hurting us. Being forgiven is kind of freeing, isn't it? Being forgiven can can kind of release your life. And the question that I'll keep coming back to today is, how good are you at forgiveness? Are you someone that other people in your life would say, yeah, they're, they they really do extend a lot of forgiveness. How are you doing with that? Because I think forgiveness is one of those key factors in healthy relationships. And those relationships can be family relationships. They can be a spouse. They can be children, grandchildren. They can be people at work, people in your community. Forgiveness is a key factor to healthy relationships. So We're talking about that today. We kicked off the series last weekend on friendships. And as I said before, what we're finding in this past year and a half or so of crazy pandemic life, social distancing has now morphed into emotional distancing. And people have been isolated and alone for too long. And many of us need to remember what friendships all, are all about, what it means to, to do life together. And so the hope is in this series that we'll rekindle that that love of friendship. So look, whether you're introverted, that means you get your recharge from being away from people, or you're extroverted, that means you get your charge from being around people, or new term that I heard the other day, ambiverted, where you're kind of introverted and extroverted, a little bit depending on the situation. Look, no matter where you're at in that spectrum, we were created for relationships. And the way we're looking at it in this series is this also affects our discipleship. It affects our faith. In fact, we mature when we're around other people, especially Christians who've, who've gone before, Christians who have who've been walking with Jesus for a while. We begin to, to, to develop as a healthy follower of Christ through relationships. So friendships matter. Friending matters. So I'm glad you're here. My name is Pastor Ben. If this is your first Sunday, glad you are with us, whether that be online we see you or in person. It's great to see more and more gathering in person. It warms my heart. But we gather on the first day of the week because about 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, from a little town born in a miraculous way, lived a perfect life, did amazing things, taught amazing things, was killed on a Roman cross But three days later on a Sunday, rose from the dead, and that tomb is empty. And that's why we gather on Sundays, to remember Jesus resurrected, who gave us hope and freedom and access to everything, access to the throne by His blood. So we come and we gather like this today. I hope today can be a a reset for you. This could be a good chance to reset your week. I don't know how your week was last week, but today is a new day. It's a new month. So take a deep breath. Let's do a reset. And let's pray today, and we're going to talk about forgiveness and its sidekick grace. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We thank you for your love and faithfulness, and your mercies are new every morning. And on this first day of the week, August 1st, Father, may you do your work through us. Father, help us to, to lean in to this posture of forgiveness, and that we, we could be, be extending grace to those around us. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So today's message is called Living Forgivingly. Some of you grammar... Police out there will say, well, that's not a real word or phrase. It's okay, I made it up, so there you go. Living forgivingly. So there was this guy who, in his short lifespan, had achieved incredible success. He had achieved so much success in such a short amount of time, at least the way it would look from the outside. He was, was well known in the community that he lived in, in the country that he lived in. In fact, even the countries around him knew his name. He was arguably one of the most important people in the ancient near east of his time. He rose to this high position and had everything that you could possibly imagine. The best of the best, married kids, he had his signature meant everything. People knew his name. And at some point he was confronted with his past. At some point, this leader of the known world at that time was confronted with family matters. In fact, it took the shape of some brothers who came to talk with him. Now, the brothers didn't know who this guy was. And he, very strategically, kept that quiet. So these 12 brothers, you know what story I'm talking about now? You know who I'm talking about? Spoiler alert, Joseph. Okay, come on. So the, the brothers, they're reunited with him. It's an interesting back and forth that happens. He had a lot of brothers, big family. And uh, the brothers and him had kind of a difficult relationship. Can we say it that way? It's so much so that when he was a kid, these brothers, these wonderful siblings, family members, tried to kill him, sell him, whatever they could do. They wanted to get rid of Joseph. And so bad blood, sometimes that simmers for a while. Been years now, but they are reunited with Joseph, and once they find out who it is, they're a little bit concerned. Because now Joseph has the power to do whatever he wants to these 12 brothers. So what do they choose to do? Hide behind daddy. No siblings in here know what that's like. So dad comes to this whole reunion. Dad is Jacob later Israel So the whole family's now reunited with Dad in the picture. The brothers feel pretty good. Dad's there. Joseph's not going to do anything. They don't re- Now the thing is, did, how much did Joseph remember? Right? Certainly, he couldn't remember that all those years ago. He, you know he let bygones be bygones. They're, you know, Dad's here, great. but what happens in the story, if you know it, Dad passes away. And the brothers are once again very concerned. Because now there's no patriarch in the family. They don't have to honor Dad anymore. They're all at his disposal. What are they going to do? What's Joseph going to do? And so the brothers get together and decide, you know, they have a little meeting at Starbucks, and they decide, what are we going to do? Because Dad's dead. He's probably going to remember this thing. I don't know what he remembers, but we gotta, we got to make a pact. Let's tell him, let's tell him that Dad told us before he died, that he really wants everybody to just get along. So they make this story up. Jacob never said that. But they get together and if you will, we're all going to tell the same story. So they go to Joseph, you know, after dad's passed. Hey Joseph, how are you doing? Here's your mocha. Uh, Hey, before dad passed away, Lord rest his soul, old dad, Before he passed away, he told us, hey, really want to make sure the family gets along. And Joseph's kind of like, stop, hold on. I see what you're doing here. And he says, look, what you intended, you know the story, right? What you intended for evil, God intended for what? Good. Joseph had not forgotten what they had done. Had not forgotten what they had done. But he saw it now with all the lens of what's happened, that what they intended for evil, God intended for good. So, what does Joseph do in that moment that really made the brothers a little bit less concerned? It's a word that starts with an F. We've already talked about it a few times forgiveness. Now, look, he was at the top of his game. Wouldn't wouldn't he have been justified to exact a little punishment? Okay, let's bring it home. If you were Joseph in that moment, I know how siblings work, people. It, you, it's in your full legal right. He could have made it a little painful. He could have at least drawn it out. You know, well, I don't know. I don't know. Did he say that? You know, he could have, he could have played that whole game, but he doesn't. He, he decides to forgive. He didn't forget, but he decides to move at move on, and he forgave him. That's a powerful story. Maybe Joseph knew what Jesus was going to say many, many years later when Jesus said this in Matthew 6, but if you don't forgive others their sins, neither will your father forgive yours. See, Joseph wasn't perfect. Maybe he just instinctively knew that. And, and you, you may wonder, okay, well, forgiveness, okay, this seems like a, a biblical thing, Ben, but it's still kind of difficult. How much forgiveness do we really have to embrace? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked it. Peter, one of Jesus' inner three, he asked that same question to Jesus in Matthew 18, if you've got your Bible handy. Matthew 18 is where we're going to be. In Matthew 18, Peter goes up to Jesus, and I, we don't know the whole circumstance, but he's like, okay, Jesus, uh, so, well, I'll, I'll, I'll read it. Okay, here we go. Matthew 18, verse 20 and 21 and 22 says, Then Peter came up to Jesus and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? So maybe Peter felt like he was being generous. I mean, when was the last time you had to forgive somebody a few times? It's harder that second, third time, isn't it? Like, you should know better. This is the justice game we play in our heads. So seven times, is that good? And Jesus replies, if you know this, and depending on the version of the scriptures you're looking at, NIV, ESV, or whatever it might be, New American Standard, might have a little bit different phrasing here. But basically, Jesus says, I don't say to you seven times, but I want you to multiply that. And some versions will say 77 times. You could also look at that as 70 times 7. That's a number of completion. The point Jesus is making is as much as it's needed. Now, that seemed to have shut Peter up. A little bit. I'm not sure if he was on like this, the sixth forgiveness of somebody. And he's thinking, if I just do one more, then all bets are off. I can, I can exact my revenge. I'm not sure where Peter was at. But Jesus blows it all out of the water and says as much as, as is needed. And in Luke 17, these are also the words of Jesus. Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day... And turns to you seven times, saying, I repent, you must forgive him. In the same day. Same day. I would remember the other few times. And so the seventh time, I would be like, okay. But in the same day. These are not my words. (laughs) You get mad at me. These aren't my words. These are Jesus' words about forgiveness. And here's the point. Forgiveness is a key posture for following jesus it is part of who we are if you say you're a follower of jesus this is a a characteristic you embrace in your life and i know it's not easy but jesus modeled forgiveness as much as is needed there's probably a reason for that that i'll get to here in a second but forgiveness is a posture of following jesus colossians 3 13 says this bearing with one another and If one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven forgiven you, so you also must, there's that F word again, forgiveness. You also must forgive. So after that interaction with Peter, I didn't go through the rest of the story. Do you see in your scriptures in Matthew 18 what happens right after that? I've got it here. So some of your Bibles might have a little uh, note above the paragraph that says the parable of the unforgiving servant. So what happens here? Jesus tells a story about a king who he needs to settle accounts. You know, he's accountant, is doing an audit, you know. He's got to pay his taxes, so he's got to do an audit. So he's trying to figure out who, you know, well, let's get the numbers figured out. And so Jesus tells the story. The king is Asking for people, okay, what do you owe me? Let's, let's figure this thing out. Let's put some numbers around this. Try to make a payment plan of some sort. And one of the people, the king discovers, owes him a little bit of money. Now, some of your Bibles might say 10,000 talents. I'm not sure which versions are out there, but you might find different versions of this. But ancient uh, money units, 10,000 talents. And, and I've read different commentaries on this. Apparently, one talent at that time, one talent would have been like uh, 20 years' wages. So I don't know if you, like, do the math. Some of you are very good at math. I don't know what the average income is in Dallas. Is it like 50 grand? I don't even know. It used to be around there, about 50 grand. All right, so take that times 20, and that's one talent. If this guy owed... What, 10,000 talents? I right? Is it 10,000? 10, 10,000 talents. So the math starts to get a little mind boggling. Some commentators say he's using like the top of the Greek expression of, of, of amounts. Like you can't, this is the, kind of the, the top end of how a Greek would, would say the money. So basically, we're talking potentially billions of dollars. That's billions with a B. That's a lot of money. So what does the guy do? If you know the story, he goes to the king, oh, I can't pay this, you know, I can't do that. You know, I I, I don't don't have the money. He makes his case. And what does the king surprisingly do? I'm, I'm guessing that the king's cabinet was a little concerned. The king says, well, I forgive your debt. Well, as the story goes, Jesus continues the parable and says, well, then that very person that just got billions wiped off the debt he goes, and a buddy of his owes him, and the, the, the money is different now, maybe a hundred denarii or something like that. which So we're talking about maybe, maybe a couple thousand. We don't completely know, but clearly much lower. You see the contrast? You know, that was part of the point. So this guy owes him you know, a, a doable amount, and he loses his mind and starts beating on the guy. And says, you're going to go to prison until you pay all this stuff. Well, that's troubling. So then people hear about this, and of course, who do they go and tell? The king. How do you think that went over? The king's like, that guy? And it doesn't bode well. So the king's like, well, put him in prison and make, until he pays off every last cent, which he's not going to pay it off, folks. It's billions of dollars. So this, this parable follows Jesus telling Peter as much as needed. As much as you need to forgive, you need to extend forgiveness. And obviously, the elephant in the room is because we need a lot of forgiveness. We've been forgiven much. The debt's been paid, canceled. And so because of that, we are in a posture to be forgiving people. I didn't say it was easy, but that's the posture of a Christ follower. If you say you're a Christ follower, you're someone that embraces forgiveness. Forgiveness. That story always sobers me up. I read that and I'm like, ugh. Because I think of all the times where I've withheld forgiveness from people. I've, I've kind of held on to bitterness or frustration, and it hasn't really helped me, and it didn't really restore relationship. All those times that we withhold that, it's, it's a very sobering thing. Forgiveness, you see, I think it opens the door to undeserved favor. In other words, forgiveness opens the door to grace. Grace is an interesting thing. Grace is one of those things that we expect a lot of grace from people. We screw up, we expect their grace. But then when they screw up, we have a harder time extending that grace thing to them. And we know we need it a lot, but, you know, you wrong me. Hmm. We're not as good at giving out the grace that we expect from other people. But that is the posture of a Christ follower. And forgiveness is is a healthy key factor in relationships, whether that's marriage, family, kids, work, community. Forgiveness is huge, so here's our big questions. These are the big old navel-gazing questions that we gotta wrestle with today. First one is this, how forgiving are you? Would you rate your forgiveness, say we do a scale, one to 10, this is very scientific. One to 10, 10 being very forgiving, you're very, you extend a lot of grace. You're very quick to do that. Maybe zero to one is you're not so good at it. Where would you be? Would you be a two? Would you be an eight? How would you rate? Now, get that in your head. Now, if I ask the people around you, your family, your co-workers, would they come, at, come, come about the same number as you just created in your head? How forgiving is are you? And there's the next question. And this is something I think we all got to wrestle with is who in here keeps a grudge? It's weird. We're, we're in a smallish town. Things are changing here in Dallas quite a bit, but we're in a smallish town. A lot of people are in small towns around us, kind of semi-rural if you want to call it that. And there's just kind of this stigma in small towns and everybody knows everything. And the downside of that is sometimes you do something wrong and people hold on to it forever. Like, there's no getting past it sometimes. Sometimes people hold on to grudges for a long, long time. Are you someone that holds a grudge? Like, is your memory, I mean, and this is true, think about this in relationships or even marriage. Because oftentimes, in premarital counseling, we talk about leave the past in the past. When you're having an argument, it's about what's happening now, not all the things that happened all 10 years before. How many of you hold a grudge? And the follow up question to that is, how's is that working for you? How are holding on to grudge and bitterness and anger, how does it help? You know that sometimes we hold on to stuff, and as it turns out, the other person does have no clue that they even offended you. You ever had that happen in your life? You're like, it's just like it totally diffuses. You just wasted all that emotional energy, and they didn't even realize that they stepped on your toes four years ago or eight years ago or ten years ago. Do you hold on to grudges and anger and bitterness, and how is that working for you? There's a reality check, it usually hurts us. It really does. It hurts us. There was a a quote that's been now assigned or, I guess, credited to Nelson Mandela, and he said this, and you may have heard this before. Not forgiving someone is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. Anybody hear that before? We hear that when we think, oh, I would never be that dumb. But we do that all the time. We hold on to stuff and bitterness. And the, the posture of a Christ follower is to lean into forgiveness, not to lean away from it. Anger, bitterness, these things can eat us alive. Hmm. And and here's the other thing. Forgiving doesn't mean you forget. I mean, we just talked about the story of Joseph. He clearly didn't forget what his bros did to him. Forgiving doesn't mean forgetting. It just means you no longer let the issue rule your life. You no longer let it have hold over you. Look, we know that we can't change the past, but I think we can get past the past with the power of forgiveness by God's grace. Dr. Tyler Vanderweel wrote this a few years ago, and he said, there, there's two sides to forgiveness. There's the easy one and the hard one. The easy one is decisional. I'm deciding to forgive you. Like, I'm saying it out loud, I'm writing it down, I'm deciding I forgive you. That is generally easier to come to. That's, that's kind of making the conscious decision that you're no longer going to wish bad things to happen to that person. Okay, that's, that's the easier side. The harder side is the emotional forgiveness. Where you, you move away from those negative feelings and no longer dwell on the wrongdoing. You don't let it eat you up. Emotional forgiveness is harder because it takes longer. It's common for those feelings, triggers to return, and you gotta process them. So it takes longer, but it is possible. And I was looking at some, some numbers from Harvard Health and the Huffington Post, and they were talking about how forgiveness plays out in our physical bodies. And that holding on to, much like stress, holding on to anger and bitterness and frustration at someone actually starts to affect our health. It, it generally, it, 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 it leans toward lots of really bad health issues, blood pressure, cholesterol, uh, just all kinds of aches and pains because we're withholding forgiving but the opposite is true as well that if you can embrace not holding on to bitterness if you offer forgiveness that actually has health benefits to you that you no longer carry that anymore we're not strong enough to carry that stuff anyway when we let it go and we trust God he knows what happened we trust him we do the best we can We, we pursue peace right as much as it depends on us so we, we released that. Another article that I read said this. The problem for many of us is that sometimes we can choose to forgive one another, but still in our heart of hearts, the anger or resentment lingers, festers. However, it is possible to forgive and truly let go of the past disappointments, the past hurts, even blatant acts of abuse, it is possible to move past that. Although at times this may seem hard, forgiveness is a teachable and learnable skill. Teachable and learnable skill. I I saw that play out in that relationship that I got some counseling over. I, I literally saw that play out. I know this can work, but it's not easy. Psychology Today there was an article I read a few years ago, uh, or, or it, was, it came out a few years ago. I read it recently. It said, forgiving doesn't mean saying the pain doesn't matter or that what the other person did or said was okay. So we're not saying that. It doesn't mean forgetting what happened. It means letting go of your need. Listen to this. Letting go, and this is where, maybe where you really need to hear this today. It's letting go of your need for an apology or revenge. Most likely neither of those are going to happen anyway. But you see what's happening there? You're letting go of the need for an apology. That really helped me. You need to let go enough that you can not expect that apology or some kind of revenge. It means making peace peace with past hurt and pain. Choosing to move on. So the article continues in Psychology Today with a few things that might help. These might be considered like pro tips. So If you're taking notes, this might be somewhat helpful. At least one or two of these might be helpful. The first one is this take time to process the pain. And that could be stuff from the past. It can be stuff from the present. But we've got to talk about it. Like, you've got to own it. This is the pain. This was done to me, and it hurt. It's like acknowledging, not trying to cover it up or, you know, make some excuses. No, actually lean into the pain and say, this this happened to me. Uh, This person wronged me in this way, uh, and I need to acknowledge it. So, Take time to process the pain. Recognize the wrong. Don't run from it. Lean in and say this was wrong. Number two is this. Realize that you can make a difference in your life, that you don't have to hold on to bitterness. It's a choice that you make. It is. And I've seen this play out in a healthy way when we release that need to hold on so, realize you can make a difference. Here's the third thing. Forgive yourself and embrace positive self-talk. And this sound, that sounds very touchy-feely. But the thing is, sometimes we are so hard on ourselves all the time. And sometimes in a conflict, we'll start to think, well, if this person did something to me, maybe it was my fault. We have all these weird things going around in our heads sometimes. This negative self-talk is not healthy. We are all flawed individuals. We all still need Jesus. There's, there's no other way around it. So so we can begin to ebb away at our even how we feel, why all these negative things we say about ourselves in our our little running commentary in our head. We we would do well to forgive ourselves and embrace positive self-talk, that you are enough, that you are worthy. Jesus did that for you. You matter to him, right? So here's the fourth thing. Seek to understand rather than to demonize. Seek to understand rather than demonize someone. It's, it's so easy sometimes to kind of make a person this evil, horrible thing. But, but, but didn't Paul say in Ephesians that our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers and the principalities? There's a spiritual battle going on. And sometimes people are making decisions and they're listening to the wrong voices. We've got to quit demonizing people and start to understand. Start to understand. And here's the last thing. And uh, this may be the most easy to understand, is that realize that forgiveness benefits you the most. It does. Again, sometimes the person that you're so frustrated about or those angers that you're holding on, the, the bitterness, they, they might even not, they have no clue that you feel that way. And maybe, maybe you're not going to get a chance to, to reveal that to them because they pass away. Now what do you do? Forgiveness benefits you the most releasing it. So take time to process pain, call it what it is, realize you can make a difference in your own life, forgive yourself, embrace positive self-talk, seek to understand rather than demonize, and realize that forgiveness benefits you the most. One more study I want to read to you. I love this. This is my favorite. There's perhaps no greater gift that you can offer God than a heart that knows the power of forgiveness and decides decides to set others free. Forgiving shows that the love, grace, and mercy of Jesus are operating in our lives. It's time to access this life-changing grace of forgiveness. Release the offender. Repent of your desire to punish or take revenge. Let God deal with the offense. That's actually Romans twelve nineteen. Focus on today rather than the past. Let the offender off the hook declare God as judge over the person and the situation, many of us just simply don't realize the power of forgiveness in our lives. As Christ followers, many of us have said yes to Jesus. As Christ followers, we need to lean into this embrace, the posture of forgiveness. And that opens the door to grace, undeserved favor. That's the posture. Think if, if people saw Christians as people who are full of grace. Think if people saw Christians as, as people that, that were safe, that, that could actually extend forgiveness, that would be people that are quick to say, I love you, I forgive you. So here's my only point today forgive and give grace. Forgive and give grace. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain what did he do? He washed it white as snow. You have been forgiven much. And in friendships and relationships and spiritual friendships that we have here, we need to be people of forgiveness, that we forgive and give grace. I want to pray for us here in a minute, but if if you're someone that heard about Jesus, you, you want part of that grace that we've been talking about, you want that forgiveness. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you could do that today, whether that be online or here. We'd love to help you take that next step. But for those of us who've said yes to Jesus, we need to embrace this posture of forgiveness. Forgive and give grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love, your faithfulness, the fact that you give us grace that we don't deserve. You, you don't punish us, punish us for, for what we deserve to be punished for. Father, you've forgiven us on the cross by your son Jesus. And so we've been forgiven much. Help us to embrace forgiveness and grace in our lives, to the people around us, starting with our family, going to our workplace and our community, that we would be grace people. Father, do your work through us. May we be your extenders of grace and forgiveness in our world. We pray this in Christ's name.